I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. One of many, I wear I wear many hats. That you do, my friend. Many the kings hats. of Leonis. That's right. Love that shirt. I don't know. I, you no, know, I think we had talked about it a, a couple episodes ago, where I was like, I really like. I don't think this one sold a single one yet, but really, I don't care because I love it. That's great. no, that's not true. KP bought one. Okay, well that doesn't count. He is the king of Leonis. But I was like. I don't know. I liked it. I yeah. still like it. Yeah. When uh, as soon as you get Whatever. that, uh, there's a couple soon... couple designs that really, really fell flat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as soon as you get the Navia shirt up and running, I'm gonna do that and the uh, and the Splendida for sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's got to go up here soon. Maybe that's something I'll work on tomorrow night. Hell yeah, brother! It's uh. <clears throat> It's so it's not it doesn't take long to get it on the website and everything. It's just a matter of making the like the mock-ups, like the pictures that go on the website. And then having to crop those down, make sure I have the color as accurately represented as the shirts as possible. Yeah, no no false advertising with with, FA. When you're dealing with the pixels versus the actual dyed garments, you know, so Try to get as close as I can, especially that ice gray color. That's a really tough one because it's this weird, like, half tan, half sand kind of. To call it a gray, I think is a real stretch, but yeah, for sure. I don't know what to, what else you would call it. So that one's tough to kind of get the proof, like the mock up made, because it's it's a hard one to kind of nail down. But yeah, what I've started doing is I just save the hex codes of what I've previously used. That way, it's consistent now when i do this further i'm slowly figuring it all out getting a good system in place kind of just like with the podcast and stuff so it's going man it's going <sighs> but we're here it's we monday are. it's episode 191 of snakes and stogies and this is the dartha lapis school for kids who can't read good book club episode this is like the third one second one I, I think we've done more than that. I mean, I was actually thinking. Uh, I think we've literally, we haven't done any more than four or five. I know that. Well, I don't think we did one in 2023. I got to look back through the catalog. And I think that's crazy that we went almost a whole year without doing a, a legit book club episode. Yeah. Back by popular demand. Um, we get a lot of really good feedback when we've done the book episodes in the past. Surprisingly, yeah. honestly, I, I thought that that would be the one that would people the most that they wouldn't have any interest in any of that stuff you know save for you know a handful of people but uh it is like people love it so yeah we're me and just me and phil bill bradley was hopefully going to join us tonight but he's on the road so he's not going to be back home and, and set up in time to to really hop in so we'll have to catch him on the next round but i do like these episodes because it forces me to get my hands on more books which i have done it's good I have to, I'm going to go ahead and admit, uh, 
a good bulk of the ones I'm going to be showing for myself. I have not read yet, but they're on the stack. I'm with you. I'm with you, man. I, I, let me rephrase that. I know you do the same thing as me. You've glanced through it. You maybe even read a couple sections. Yeah, I mean, I'll flip through a little bit, but but you haven't sat down and cover to covered it yet. And and that's a lot of her books for me, to be honest. Uh, especially the reference stuff. I mean, I love reference books. I love natural history. Same as you, man. And sometimes you just can't sit through, sit down and read the whole thing cover to cover. Whether regardless of how long it takes you, sometimes I just want to learn about this particular section. You just want to use you know? it for reference. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I have a short stack. I didn't know how many books you were bringing to the table. I have eight. Whoa. All right. So I, but I'm, all right. again, like I said, I haven't, I can't really talk about them too much because I haven't read. Okay. All, okay. The majority of them. So I figured so, I'd at least talk about that's why, good. like, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll, but. You know, you know, but we have some sponsors to go over. We do. We do. Boy, do we. Uh, let's let's change it up. Uh, so cold-blooded caffeine. Got that snakes and stogies blend. There it is. Go grab you a bag. Use the link down below uh, if you buy a bag of this this absolutely fantastic uh, boutique small batch coffee that was personally chosen by Phil and myself as far as the blend, which is a Mexican Rwandan blend taking the old world and the new world and just mixing it up. Uh, just interweave. That's right. I was going to do that. I didn't know if anybody would get it. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> interweave them. Just, just, just interweave uh, them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, coldbloodedcaffeine.com. You can use the link down below, or if you use the code S ampersand S. So S and the and symbol, I need to change that because that's too much to explain S yeah. and S, but not S A N D. S little figure eight thing S and that'll get you 10% off your order. Pour over. I, I got a pour over. Still haven't used it yet. Yeah, I man, need that's to get more coffee so I can break it in. Cause I, I can't break it in. I can't break it in with, with store-bought stuff. It's gotta be proper. Yeah. I've been uh, shopping super fine grinders. Cause I really want to try our blend in a Greek or Turkish style. I really want to mm -hmm. try it. So we should have a little fire pit at the Snakes and Stogies Gazebo Daytona. Yeah, Phil, it was saying, and we'll do our own right there. I'm sure, sure. some sort of hat. There's some Dude, I'll bring a no, it. man. I'll bring a hibachi. Let not hibachi. What do you call this little <laughs> George Foreman thing? What do you call that? The little, the little, the little Black dome. Stone. What's that? Oh, you know the old school tailgating yeah. charcoal grill, whatever you want to call it, Weber. Yeah, a little 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 dome Weber. We'll just fill it full of, you know, blue iguana calcium sand and just stuff some coal in there, herp style. No, I think we'd have to use Vita sand for that because you want the oh, Vita sand. Yeah, the that is true. You, know, you that, should that, have that, sand. Yeah, yeah, blue iguana is a little too coarse. A little bit. Love. I don't it. think it's going to retain heat as much. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So get yourself some coffee. Coldbloodedcaffeine.com. Uh, then you need a rack. You need a cage. Maybe you're just shopping around blackboxcages.com if you are just shopping tax season's coming up here soon so i mean i'm just gonna just put it out there start planning go on blackboxcages.com shop around a little bit see what options you can get both in cages and racks uh, one or the other if you prefer one or the other we don't judge here 
um, you know, we we all use a little mix of both. Everyone at the network, I think, does so. Most definitely. Uh, also, the code THN at checkout gets you ten percent off your order. Uh, save on shipping and freight if you are in the general region of North Georgia, in the southeast, even um, you know, I guess, barring Phil's neck of the woods where it's a real trek. Uh, it's a hike. Save save yourself on shipping. Make a trip out of it. Just go up there and, and choose the pickup option, and just grab it yourself. Um, Clint is a master uh, trailer and and truck bed packer. He's uh, it's amazing. He's he, it's really something that you have to be you have to witness. If anything, that's worth the trip. Is just watching him do his magic. Nice. It's pretty incredible. Because he doesn't even like he's not even like talking to you. He's just like it's like a Rubik's cube. You know those kids that like do them real quick. Oh yeah, it's just like that. Nice, it has to An be art seen. form. That's right. Uh, quality stuff that you will not be disappointed with. Uh, quality PVC, quality tubs. And if you are shipping tools. it, it's the best shipping of any enclosure, par none, from any company. I don't care what people say. I've shipped a lot of different enclosures: glass, acrylic just uh vision plastic you name it i've i've shipped it and the best so far is blackbuckage.com definitely i've used other cheaper and faster not even faster not faster at all i actually i don't even know why i'm talking about that i've used cheaper and waited i got off lucky and only waited like 3 months for my order okay that rack is horrible Black box lead time is still two weeks, give or take. Crazy, so, crazy, wild. You order something and you get it. It's about as I think in terms of racks and caging, I feel like that that they're about as close as you're going to get to like Amazon level of, of like delivery and yeah. shipping. Yeah, absolutely. Unless it's from like Timu and it's that weird Chinese like already put together. You, you still gotta drill box, those. Like, you still gotta apart. pull them together. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Doesn't matter. But uh, hop on over to Morph Market. Check out Puget Sound Pythons. Also, give Jeff and Kendra a follow on Facebook and Instagram. Stay in the loop with what they are doing. Um, they got a lot of stuff going on. Their season is is gonna be jam packed. So, oh, give yeah. them a follow. Uh, stay in the know with what they're doing, and they're awesome people. They're good people. Sure. We love them. Sure. We do. And then fullvisapparel.com. Phil's got a hat. I've got a hat. I'm wearing a shirt. Um, get some shirts. I got a giveaway going on on Instagram right now. Uh, so yeah, you do. Let me go ahead. It's going on until the 31st. There's 31 days in January, yes. Um, and the winner will get to pick any two shirts of your choosing. So size, color, whatever, design. Uh, and then you get to decide on the next species slash design. Pretty cool, that man. I, that I put out. I figured that'd be kind of a fun little ones, you know, bonus. Absolutely. Something just. Yeah. You know. So hop on over to Instagram, Fulvius Apparel, Fulvius Dot Apparel, rather, and uh, enter that. So pretty much it's just like the posts, tag two friends, and share the post in your story and tag me. That way I know that you did it. Uh, I, like an idiot, did not put follow this account. On top, (laughs) but it it doesn't matter. I imagine most of the people doing it are following the account. Um, 
Yeah. If you're not, you're a dingus. You'd, and you you'd should be surprised. It. I've I've seen I've had a few people enter that that weren't following me, but because I didn't specify, I'm like whatever. It's no big deal. So, um, it's it's all good. So it's all gravy. It's, it's been fun to kind of watch what people say they're gonna pick too, because I know Harry's piped up and uh, Nate's piped up, and now Joe is saying poor. So yeah, watching what people are they're plotting already what it's what it's gonna be. So. Um, it'll be it'll be fun. So there's about two weeks left to hop in on that. Um, what are you smoking tonight? Tonight I am smoking a local. Wait. Yes. Are you using code THN at checkout on fullvisapparel.com? Get fifteen yes. percent off your order. Yes. How can we forget just for that? that's the exclusive discount code for THN listeners and viewers like you. Yeah, that's Harry. Calvin peeing on the word free handlers. That's that's what Harry said he's going to pick. Something's oh jeez. If if I win, which I'm going to probably not win, but if I win, am I back I, yet? Or are you back? You you weren't gone. Marco. I, I oh, I thought I was frozen. I mean, you you're a little laggy, but your audio is good. Polo. Oh, that is that. Uh, that we're delayed. Okay, that's all that matters. N- no, that's not all that matters, my friend. No. <laughs> you may want to jump out and jump back in, my brother. Do 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 do. Burning hell, Hargrave. Internet. Do 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 do. I need to have. Girl from Ipanema, instrumental for moments like this. When Justin seems to just fade off into the, yeah, he goes, fading off into the ether. We get some some Sinatra. Girl from Ipanema. Imagine it in your minds, kids. Well, while he's doing that, I will say that tonight I am smoking a local blend of tobacco. Um, it is a Maduro, even though it is a very light wrapper. Uh, it has a good Maduro texture to it, a good Maduro smell to it uh, i'm gonna light this in a minute after i finish my current cigarette you guys know how i roll and uh and we'll we'll get the the ball rolling smitty will be right back um i love these book club episodes i really do and i love all of our friends that participate i know uh eric burke nipper reed rob stone those guys they're book junkies just like us and they're very inspirational to us as sharing what they're into and what we're into and hey did you hear about this book and what i really like right now is uh the three of them actually turned me on to some facebook groups that are i I don't want to say classified ads but for lack of a better word they're herp related book pages some people that are selling some people that are auctioning some people are just announcing and and giving recommendations and reviews Uh, so if if you are a facebook person definitely check out there's like four or five main herp book pages uh check them all out uh, i don't remember the name but they're all herp herpetological herpetocultural herp something books blah 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 so check them out on facebook um and you can find a, real, a lot of really cool stuff uh recently there's been a lot of both vintage and by vintage i mean say 30 to 40 years uh vintage papers 
that are actually published hard papers. So those are floating around. They're relatively inexpensive, maybe $10, $12 a, a paper. Uh, most of them are reprints anyway, uh, but they're not going to be just like somebody printed it out on at their home printer and stapled the, the top left corner. It's actually bound and whatnot. So definitely got a chance to check those out. Um, and anybody who's curious about herpetological books, herpetocultural books, and you don't know where to start, just go on your search engine, whether it be Google or Yahoo or whatever, and type in the species that you're looking for. Let's say it's boa constrictor, and you type in boa constrictor books. You're going to find a lot of kiddie stuff. You're going to find a lot of, uh, I don't want to say simplistic type of literature, but you're not going to find the adult reference per se, but you will find an avenue to get to it, whether it be from Eco Universe or Chimera Edition, which is one of my personal favorites. Um, or even if you go to, and now I can't remember the website, crap, the one we all use, Hamilton Books, there you go. Hamilton Books has almost all of the Krieger publications, which are now out of business and discontinued. But the books are very inexpensive, uh, usually five, 10 bucks a book, depending on what it is. And you're not going to find everything there, but you're going to find a lot of cool stuff, as well as some of the old TFH books. Now, anyone who's watching this or listening to this, who's over the age of, say, dare I say 30, when you were a kid, you had a tfh book and a lot of those animal books were what got us into her books they were relatively inexpensive some of them were on husbandry some of them were on uh just natural history of certain species and it would say something like handling venomous in captivity right or just venomous snakes of the world or my personal favorite was the tfh atlas of snakes it was an orange book with a couple snakes on the cover and it was real thick they made two they made one that was they're both about that thick um one was little it was like a little little atlas little pocket atlas and the other one was a big giant tome of a book and it had almost every species of snake known to science at that time which i believe was probably the late 80s if not early 90s when they were really putting that out and it had a picture, it had a brief one sentence description, and then it had a key, much like the tarot log books do, where there's a mouse, a little cartoon mouse if it eats rodents, there's a cartoon lizard if it eats lizards, uh, it has a cactus if it was a desert species and what have you. But even though most of the scientific taxonomy in that book is very outdated and species have been split and lumped and subspecies out, it's still a great book to have. So if you could find that book, that's one of the books that really got everyone in my generation going with learning the different species and all the scientific names. Super duper helpful. I mean, you probably find the book for $10 somewhere, you know. So it was the Atlas of Snakes from TFH. But I was just, I was just telling the people that don't feel, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't be intimidated on how to search for her books. And there's a lot of her books that are kind of meh. And we always have the, you know, the Dr. Julander joke of, is it a book book? Um, field guides are books to enjoy them. They may not have everything you're looking for, but at least it gives you a little something. And it's fun to add to the collection. So I have them. They sit on my shelf and I haven't probably cracked open my North American reptiles and amphibians one in like 15 years. Really? Well, see, I never realized, like, I know this sounds stupid, I'm, and people are going to laugh at me when I say this, but it never occurred to me that a field guide was meant to be used 
in the field. And it wasn't until we herped, uh, I think it was West Texas, and I don't know if it was Rob or Eric, somebody had a field guide, and they were actually circling information and drawing a little squiggly dot on the map and writing notes in the, in the margins of the book. And I was like, that's what it's for. Oh, my God. I thought it was just a quick reference. So now I'm very keen on getting a field guide for a new herping location, wherever it may be, and if there even is one available, and bring it along, you know, and do the, the Dr. Lopen thing. Buy two. Have one that's pretty and nice and clean and keeps on the bookshelf and have the other one that you can wrinkle up and roll up and stuff in your back pocket or your backpack while you're hiking and scribble on and get some dirt on it. That's what it's there for, right? Yeah, but I mean, we also have have phones and apps and things, and I know it's not the same, but yeah, yeah. You know, but I, well, I don't have to carry around an extra like two pounds of of book. No, I'm thinking about gear, something you know. that's you know an inch thick and paperback. <clears throat> but I also like what Eric Burke has is a app that I don't know if you. I think you can if the book's in their system, you can download it onto the app. And no matter if you have Wi-Fi or not, or you can also, I think, take pictures of each page and it formats it almost. Yeah. Like so before a herp trip, he'll scan whatever books he wants to bring for that herp trip. And he has them on his phone just downloaded. And then when he gets back, he up offloads them or what have you to save space. But he doesn't have to carry a, a big, heavy book. And at the same time, he doesn't have to have Wi-Fi. It's just on the phone. So as long right. as he's got battery, he's in business. So I think that's pretty awesome, too. But what were you smoking this evening? I am smoking a local blend. It's a Maduro, even though it's light in color. And uh, this is a blend that we may see more of. Oh. Maybe not this size. Maybe not this color. Is that a Corona? Uh, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like it. Yeah. Um, but we may see more of these snakes and stogies listeners and viewers and followers so keep your eyes peeled have you smoked them before uh yes but no we'll leave it at that okay okay what are you smoking bud so raj finally got avos in which has me very excited because i i love oh, avos. nice so i got an avo synchro caribe in the toro um i smoked this in a six by sixty couple nights ago and it was good definitely it got it got a little rough towards the, the last bit there uh, they tend know. to do that i think it was just mostly them not having a whole lot of time to sit and sort of sort of air out some before i started buying them and smoking them so i expect this one to do the same thing but so far this is i like this the, this blend in this size a little more but i'm also only a couple couple puffs in so we'll see but <clears throat> I really like Avo is one of the very few brands where they've I don't think I've had something from them that I didn't like. Right. Uh, everything's been real solid. The price point's really, really good. So I recommend them. Excellent. 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 Any so, updates? Any, any any brief? Uh it is let me check the humidity right now. Hang on. So it is where I'm, I'm sitting outside and it's been beautiful out. I know the rest of the country is suffering with cold and ice and snow and just miserableness, 
but I've had some really great weather. It's been in the 60s and it's fantastic. Um, I mean, I'm not wearing a hoodie. It's in the 60s here right now. It's yeah. supposed to get into like the 20s or something ridiculous tomorrow night. Nice, nice. Well, uh, right now it says 75. It was 80 like an hour ago. Um, and the humidity is. 90 percent where's the humidity 87 percent humidity oh my god yeah so i'm dying uh however i'm gonna start bringing everything out of the the quote-unquote cold because it was 80 today and my snakes are probably like what the hell's going on um i feel like i did it right this year i feel like i got the temps down for a solid i don't i don't want to say eight weeks maybe six seven weeks straight and it down at least 15 to 20 degrees every night if not every day too so uh i'm excited about that so tomorrow i'm gonna go in and turn on heat lamps and change timers to be you know uh, four hours instead of six or whatever it is and uh we'll get the ball rolling on this so now i know you said you were not gonna wait till valentine's day I pulled stuff out last weekend. I went ahead and, and pulled pulled everybody. So, all right. Um, yeah, I, I felt like you know it was forty six days. I think they were down. I felt that that was that was enough. And as cold as it's gotten um, consistently, that I was I was feeling confident that that was that was enough. So it's good, man. Went ahead and pulled them. Uh, I actually fed some of the females tonight. I had some some rat pups in the freezer, so I went ahead and thawed those out and fed Good. some of the girls and then fed the uh, smaller chondros because um, I'm trying to sort of get a little more size on all of them, too. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. Okay. Nothing new. No news is good news. That's right. Um, but speaking of, so there was a post earlier that I saw on the Facebooks and I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on this. Okay. We, we have this constant sort of back and forth and on the internet of, you know, the markets, the market is horrible or the market's great sure sure yes some people are having phenomenal years some people are having horrible years seems to kind of depend on what species we're we're talking about but yeah yeah um as someone shared this post that i don't know the the lady who who wrote it um I'm assuming these numbers are fairly accurate in terms of what she's talking about when she brings it up but she said as of today Ball pythons make up 66% of all the auctions on Morph Market, which I'm, I've been out of the loop. When did Morph Market start doing auctions? Because I haven't seen any of them. I mean, it may have just been a figure of speech. I don't but. know. Uh, so ball pythons make 66% of all the auctions. 59% of all animals listed on Morph Market are ball pythons. This percentage includes all animals, lizards, aquatics, tortoises, everything. For comparison, let's look at the second most popular pet snake owned in the U.S., corns. Right now, corn snakes make up 2.6% of all animals for sale on Morph Market. Uh, you see where I'm going with this. Yeah. I know and love some amazing ball python breeders who are truly passionate. They put thought into the pairings, and they love their animals. 
They are not blindly following the next craze or mass producing. They are making what they love and taking care of. They are making what they love and taking care of their ball pythons. This isn't about those folks. So if this post offends you, maybe it is about you. I hate it when they write that. Uh, I'm not trying to say nobody should breed balls, but for the love of God, slow down and be original. Uh, I'm sure I'll catch some anger for saying this, but don't be mad at me. Be mad at the guy breeding the same snake over and over and dropping the value. Be mad at the guy producing more animals than he can care for. Be mad at the guy with the wall-to-wall pastels, bells, clowns, etc. in 12-court wrecks. I'm not the enemy. Working in rescue and vet med has showed me things I can't be silent about anymore. I've seen things that would shock you about some of your favorite breeders. I've also met some amazing ball breeders that have made me pause and hope for the market to succeed again. 2024 will be the purge of reptile greeters. G-R-E-E-D-E-R's. <laughs> I thought that was clever. Yeah. Uh, 2025 will be the rise of the good guys. I'm rooting for some of you. So I thought that was interesting. You know, we, I'm kind of at a point where I'm sort of like really tired of hearing about how I don't know. It's just it's this constant thing with with news too, where it's like the world, the sky's falling, everything's horrible, we're all doomed. Yeah, and that's gonna happen for the existence of humanity. So it is. It's just that, and, and it's never not nothing's new. Nothing is 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 different. It's the fact that we have this information shoved in our face at our fingertips, and we yearn for more every every time we scroll the phone. Um. My opinion of this, without knowing any of the context or who the person is or what animals they keep, it, it a few things come to mind. One, uh, I don't care what people say. We are definitely in a recession, um, so that's going to play a factor. The individuals who have been biding their time and their money for a particular species are going to buy that species regardless of what the economy is doing in the United States. And the people that are have been used to making good money in this industry when people were fairly flush i.e during covid they're reverting back to pre-covid numbers and not remembering that that's what it was like before covid so before the global pandemic if you will uh let me rephrase that i work in a retail industry my numbers now both buying, selling, trading, what have you, are about the same, maybe even a little less than pre-COVID, which is to be expected. Yeah, you know, COVID was an anomaly. People were sitting at home; they were, well, they were bored. also getting free money from the government. Yeah, but that doesn't that does that only goes so far. You know what I mean? It really There's only a goes lot so of far. disposable income that everyone all of a sudden has. So of course you're going to see a surge across the board of spending. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that, but it's not like it's not like everyone was getting that, you know, multiple times over. So I think people need to remember that we are in a slump right now economically and that the we'll come out of the Dell eventually. Um, but you can't compare this year's numbers to last year's and you can't compare last year's to the year before. But you can compare 2023's numbers to, say, 2017 or 2018's numbers now. Taking the economics out of it, because that's I know that's not the main point of this conversation. Uh, I want to be cynical and say, sounds like this person lost their ass on ball pythons um, and they're bitter. But at the same time, I, I don't know who the person is and I, I don't want to make assumptions because, you know, happens when you assume. I think that 
there are people out there looking to make a business, make a buck, what have you. And there are also people that just want to breed just to breed because they're, they like the snakes, they like genetics and you're not going to stop people from doing what they want to do. Um, but I do feel like there are a lot of people in coming out of the pandemic that have realized, Hey, I've bred this, I've bred that, I've produced this, I've produced that. I don't need to do all this. And they're, they've cut back a little bit. And we saw this same cycle with the Mexican black king snakes. Everyone and their mother bred Mexican black king snakes for a long time. And it was good because it was still a major pet. And everyone and their mother had one. And then everyone's like, all right, we have it. It's a pet. It's fun. Enough people breed it. Let's just stop altogether. And then there wasn't any for a few years. Yeah, it created a vacuum. It created a vacuum. And now everyone was like or not now excuse me but during the pandemic everyone's like oh there's no mexican black king snakes well i have some i need to produce some well i have some i need to produce some when he has some of these and now we have too many of them and they went from being a 35 dollars snake to a 300 snake and now they're back to a 50 dollars snake so it is cyclical it oh for sure you know i just i you know we hear about the there's all these sort of uh i don't know what you'd call them I won't say boogeyman, but it's it's similar in the regard of like it's this mysterious person that's that's getting into ball pythons just because they think they can make money or it's the uh Yeah, and there's always gonna be that. You know but I mean? it's like is it really that many people? I think it's a lot of like, people, but I think the the grand scheme of things of how many people are doing it compared to how many people are in the limelight or in the in the spotlight, I should say, or in the in the visual space is very different. Because then the other question is, is like, well, if there's that many people producing them, then clearly there's people that are still buying them. But is there? I, I mean, I, I think I think a, a bigger question is, and I've told this story before in, on this show. When I was working at Underground's retail store, a woman came in and threw a box, and I mean threw a box of normal baby dare i say wild type ball pythons on the counter and proceeded to cuss and curse and berate the staff because she bought x and xy morph and they told her it would produce x y and z and it would make her this much money and she probably embellished it she probably googled it and and had delusions of grandeur and what she failed to realize is she produced a box of 100 percent heads and she yelled and left the snakes on the countertop and walked out and underground got a bunch of hundred percent hats that they raised up and sold and went to happy homes and breeders and collectors and genetic weirdos talking to you, Dr. Wyman. And uh, he didn't buy one of them. That's just a funny statement. So there is a lot of that as well, but I feel like that is becoming less. And I, do I just feel what it to me it's it, the way it's talked about just makes it sound like a majority of the people that are doing ball pythons are that type of person that you just described and it's like it right but but, but again this, okay when you come home from work and you talk to your significant other you typically don't talk about the good stuff that happened during the day you talk about the bad stuff and that's the case with modern humanity we vent we gripe we bitch and moan about the bad we rarely talk about the good and i feel like there are so many people like what we're talking about 
and we're talking about them because they're bad they're bad guys or bad girls or whatever but there's so many more good that we're not and i feel like the bad apples are the ones that people are seeing maybe because they're subconsciously looking for bad apples i don't know but those are the ones that are being seen and there's bushels and bushels of good apples I don't know. Yeah, it's, and that's what I'm that's what I'm saying but with the way that that things are talked about they it, you know it sounds it's made out to sound like it's a bunch of people that that don't care about snakes they saw an opportunity to make money and that's sort of where it's at but could very well be. I just I don't know. I just thought that that post was interesting. Um but I I, I want to see the statistics of I want to see the numbers of all the different genres of our community and what is still increasing in in sale or number or what have you because let's be real crested geckos are down western hognose morphs are down you know what i mean I iguanas and tegus are down simply because of florida yeah. they banned them and now all those breeders had to get rid of those animals so the people that are going to be producing iguanids and tegus in the future they have to start from scratch even if that means starting with proven breeder adults they're still starting from scratch so it's going to be several years or several generations before we get back to where we were in that that availability um yeah I, I think that it's it's very anecdotal and everyone's gonna have an opinion but i don't think we're in a bad spot when i don't think that there are millions of people out there with fifty thousand ball pythons in their attic not knowing what to do with them i, I don't think that's the case personally yeah i agree you know, and and people get upset and and dare I say butthurt because their snake that they thought was going to be a thousand dollars a baby now is only two hundred fifty bucks a baby. Well, that's still two hundred fifty dollars, and it's still a living creature. So, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? You can wholesale it out and sell it to an exporter or an importer or a local pet shop who's going to give it a good home and have someone love and care for it. Or you can leave it at your house, be miserable, and leave it at that. You know? I mean, how much was the original yeah. albino ball? The original ball, it was like 25000 or 250000 some astronomical number. Yeah, something ridiculous. Yeah, and then a couple of years later, it was five grand and then like two years later it was 2500 and then like a year later it was a thousand dollars and then a year after that it was 700 and a year after that and now albino balls are what 200 bucks 250 I, I honestly couldn't tell you I, I i really don't know i'm just imagining due to the the, the ladder effect the, the mm -hmm. stairs effect so and who knows i could be talking out my butt for all i know i'm not a ball python I just, it, it's the way i see it currently is like we're in that there's there's sort of this stage of everyone panicking to run out of the theater because it's on fire and it's like things, yeah. won't calm, things won't calm down until you have until those the people that are trying to get out get out if that makes sense like yeah yeah sort of reduce the swelling if you will uh but you know i mean joe joe said it really well when when we were talking about it. he's like he doesn't think it's it's really any different than it was pre-covid it's just it's a correction you know right. this is like when you when you see such an astronomical spurt economically like we did during covid uh across the board and then you you come out of that like you're coming down from a high that's that's pretty high and you're gonna you know you're gonna feel it right right chris said he was just at the white plane show and saw a lot of cheap new cow stuff i don't yeah i don't know i mean crested geckos are great but 
I, I do wonder now, like, how are those still trucking along? Look, man, I don't things, know. Things come and go. Things have waves, peaks and valleys, you know, and it always does come around. It may just come. It just may not come around the way that it was. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I think people need to stop worrying about other people. I think that people need to kind of stay in their lane and everyone's entitled to their opinion and everyone is entitled to vent and voice their frustrations and voice their opinions. I'm one of those people, but no one knows what's really going on except for the people that it's going on to. So, right. You know, there are still people that go to a reptile show, certain breeders, and they have a 30, 40, $50,000 show. They have the animals that people want, whether it be ball pythons or crested geckos or hognose snakes or whatever. So those people are still doing it. And again, who knows? Those people could be full of crap, too. They could be lying through their teeth. Who knows? We'll never know. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like um, sort of a, a natural immunity thing. The people that are really, really willing to stick with it will will ride it out and come out the other side and the people that are not are going to be the ones that sort of move on to other things yeah yep ride yeah. the wave for show books books who's 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 going first you got more books you are i have more books how many yeah, books do you have well, I brought down four. I've got six. I only brought down four because the other two, I was like, eh, whatever. I didn't know how many you were going to bring. And I actually have way more. I have like 12 or 13 new books that I got as I was moving and such. But, dude, everything's packed. And these were not packed. These are post my move. Well, Jenkins so, can't read, so he may not be good for this episode. That's all right. This might not be his, his cup of tea. Uh, so, I mean, first and foremost... There it is. I mean, come on. There, I knew it was coming. There it is. Y'all had to know it was coming. Um, I read this cover to cover, and I read it in in like a week. Nice. Probably the fastest I've ever burned through a book. That's good, Um, man. That's good. Tell people what it is for the listeners at home. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is uh, Bush Vipers by Johan de Schmidt. I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Excellent. Um, and this and is covers, the definitive Atheris book, correct? This is the, the Atheris Bible. Nice. Uh, it covers pretty much all the species. Um, let's see. covers all vipers of the genre Atheris, Montatheris, and Proatheris. Uh, they're described in detail. Numerous relevant topics are covered, like the description of every species, systematics, husbandry and breeding, reproductive biology and natural history, distribution, and toxicity. Uh, and this book is primarily aimed at reptile hobbyists, but scientists will also be able to gain valuable knowledge about these fascinating snakes. Each species is presented in pictures, and all common color variants are depicted by a plethora of high-quality images. In addition, distribution maps for every species are included. So, oh yeah. Um, my buddy JD went at to Ham. I guess he was he was he lives in Texas now. He's South Africa, and he lived in Canada. He moved to Texas. And he went out to ham, um, and I think it just happened to be on the same weekend that that show was going on. So he he grabbed me a copy while he was out there because he's like, "I'm getting one. Do you want one?" I said, "Sure." He said, "Send me some money," and I did. So I got a, I got a signed copy. Oh um, yeah. 
How's he doing out in Texas, by the way? Did he did he wind up getting snakes yet? I don't know. Yeah, because he messaged me. He said he was going to look into, you know, getting getting the ball rolling. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So this this book's fantastic, though. Um, again, it covers pretty much every species, and there's there's pictures in here that that I've never seen before of a lot of a lot of those species. You know, like Rungwayensis and nice some of those other ones that you really don't hear about. Um, sure, even some of the new species that are fairly fairly new to the genus in terms of taxonomy and stuff yeah um i think alex england has a good bit of pictures in here of, of hell stuff yeah he's produced over over the years um excellent how is the section on proatheris that that's honestly one of the reasons why i would want to get it that one's that one's good um you know each excellent. each species uh you know it talks about if there's been any sort of bites it covers some of those, and it talks about how how hot proatherists really are um, for their Let size. Me, if I may interject, uh, just to remember of Jeff Frederick whispering in my ear, "Say the common name. Say the common name." So when I, we talk about atherists, we're we're talking about African. What's that? What's the common name for proatherists? The lowland swamp viper. That's right. So proatherists, the lowland swamp viper. It's a it, is it still monotypic? Proatherus superciliaris. Yes, yes. yes. Proatherus superciliaris, and then Atherus, which is the majority of the arboreal bush vipers of Africa. So that would be like your squams and your chlorecus. You've heard us say that before. It's on the snakes and stogies coffee blend bag. So as well, like as it even has Hetfield eye, which which is I think only described from from like two animals, and they're not even alive. But yeah, yeah. it's just cool, super cool. So. Highly recommend it. I think you can order this online, or uh, I think you can email Johan, and he can you can get it set up up there. So excellent. But it's I mean it's a sizable book. It's not massive, but it's it's it, a book. I, book. I left satisfied. Yeah. By the time I was good. done, I didn't. You know, I wasn't. Obviously, I would have wanted I wanted more, but for what it is, I am I am happy with it. So. Hell yeah, man! It's a book book. Good stuff. My precious. Your precious. All right, so I guess it's my turn now? Yep. Excuse me while I snuff my cigarette. So keeping with the African theme, I talked about it briefly on Venom Exchange Radio, the most recent episode, but I have Puff Adder. Dude, I want I want to copy that bad. Puff Adder's The Venomous Landmines of Africa by Thomas Dorner. Now, when did that get released? Was that very recent? It, I believe November. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is one of the first runs. So gotcha. um, I know it got announced on Facebook. And then like two days later, I messaged uh, Thomas directly. And I think, I can't remember, I think Nipper and Henry sent me the link at the same time. They were like, look what's coming out! And uh, and I went and I contacted Thomas directly and just PayPal'd him money and had it sent. So, it's awesome. Um, now, when we say Puff Adders, I actually thought this book, before ever even reading what it was about, because Thomas actually has a really nice website. Thomas Dorner, he's a German fellow who's been herping the globe for decades. He's a, a a bitis expert, obviously, um, and his 
main thing is African species, spent a lot of time in Africa. Um, I thought this was a book on puff adders, the, the species Bitis aritans, but it's not. I guess in Europe, they refer to all of the fat, chunky ambush vipers of Africa as as puff adders or anything of the Bitis genus as puff adders. Yeah, all the Bittis. So the book is the comprehensive guide. I mean, it's about the same thickness as the Atheris book. Yeah. Um, it is a book book, um, but it is the guide to all of the Bittis genus. I'll read you guys the back as Smitty did. Uh, snakes, and especially venomous snakes, have always fascinated a large group of people. Therefore, it is not surprising that there are many venomous snakes enthusiasts who also keep and breed venomous snakes, especially Africa's largest venomous spa snake species, the puff adders. Uh, taking a fancy... Uh, see, it's a little funky because it's, it's translated from German. This book is aimed to serve as a compendium. I never heard that word. This book is aimed to serve as a company and to provide both a biological insight into the genus and information on the effect and treatment of snake bites, as well as on keeping and breeding of puff adders. 300 pages and more than 220 pictures, the reader gets a deep insight into the biology of the puff adders and the detailed description of all species. The comprehensive reference list with more than 200 entries invites to deepen into the, invites to deepen into the topic. Like I said, Germans. Um, it's it's a fantastic book. It goes into the natural history, of course. It goes into fang structure and skeletal structure of the different species. I thought it was absolutely fascinating that it go look at the centerfolds. Uh centerfolds, Namibian puff adder centerfolds, tons of data and graphs. And uh but, trying to get the words out it goes into the ancient history of how the different genera and species evolved and it goes over several different like almost family trees of how different clades evolved at different times mm -hmm. absolutely fascinating um and then it goes species by species and gives great pictures some locality data, housing conditions, reproduction, endangerment if they are protected, general behavior, and then, you know, just special characteristics of each species. So very, very cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, a fantastic book book. Yep. Hmm. So Puff Adders, The Venomous Landmines of Africa by Thomas Dorner. Well, next for me uh, is one that I have started. I have not finished it yet. Um, this was mentioned in that Tears for Crocodilia book that that I we had the author on. You know, nice. I think last year at some point, or maybe the year before that. Uh, he mentions this book and the author a few times in his book, and it's uh, it's called Dragon Songs. Wow, that's awesome! I got a used copy off. Amazon. Um, Hell yeah. Public library for the win. By Vladimir Dinitz. It's love and adventure among crocodiles, alligators, and other dinosaur relations. Excellent. Um, so Where's, is Nate still in the chat? He's got to get that book. I don't know. I'm sure he has it. Probably has a copy. Um, with adventures on five continents, Dragon Songs tells the amazing story of a groundbreaking scientific quest to study our modern dinosaurs that ends up changing a life as well as our understanding about crocodiles and their relatives. Um, easy. It's like from the author's perspective as he goes, you know, on these different trips to to different 
species. You know, he talks, he has a couple of chapters on, on alligators, um, caimans. It's basically just, just stories of, of his time out, you know, seeing these species and studying them and all over the world. You know, there's American crocs, Nile crocs, uh, Tomistima, crocodilus. So, what's the uh, what's the publication date? It's not that old. Let's see, and it's surprisingly light. Like the paper they used for it is is really twenty thirteen. Okay, good. Yeah. So, it's good. It is crazy that's like 10 years ago. No, yeah, no. I know. Wild. Very cool. The guy's a, guy's a good writer. You know, he has a good uh, good, good voice, good tone. Excellent. Um, but he's originally Russian, and he just kind of sounds like he kind of just found his, his way around things just sort of by hopping on a plane and going there. And hey, man. That's awesome pretty interesting and he's got pictures in the middle section there from from the different trips and it's cool very cool what's the name of it again uh dragon songs by vladimir dinitz very cool man there's not enough crocodilian books out there and if they are it's <clears throat> alligator alligators yeah. alligators yeah. yeah yeah very cool very very cool all right, next up. Mm-hmm. So this book was given to me by my very good friend, dare I say family member and co-host, Mr. Nipper Reed. This is A Guide to the Reptiles and Amphibians of Egypt by Sharif Bahal Aldin. It's got a really, really nice Serastes Vipera sand viper on the cover. So... A Guide to the Reptiles and Amphibians of Egypt by Sharif Bahal al-Din. This is actually 2006, so it's a little older. And everything in it is modern and relative, with the exception of taxonomy. Some of the stuff has been lumped. Some of the stuff has just been completely changed. But it goes through, it really is reptiles and amphibians. And it's very much a, I can't remember who the publisher is. Hang on a second. American University in Cairo Press, Cairo, and New York. So it is has very much a chimera feel. Uh, it has maps, if I can show it on camera, maps and localities. Uh, there is scientific illustrations of many of the species, if I can find something. Hold on. Uh, it does go into scale count and... Habitat and ecology. Uh, here's Telescopus. Here's some scale count stuff. If I can hold it to the screen. Um, and then in the center of the book, it does have some colored plates. So here's some grassland, wetland areas with some of the toad species. And, you know, so many people think that, that Egypt is just a barren desert, but there's many river systems that feed and estuary the Nile and there's a lot of wetlands and a lot of reed habitats and then you also get species like different arboreal geckos nice 
you have different species of Euromastics and desert chameleons. So, and then of course the snakes. Uh, but it, it, a fantastic book that has literally everything on Egypt. Um, and I think it's a great reference because it's not big. It's, it's relatively small. You could take it with you wherever you need to go. Um, but a lot of us get Egyptian imports because Egypt is one of the primary countries that still export reptiles. So some of the animals, there really isn't a lot of information online. So right. getting the book like this, if you keep like Billy Hunt and I got Egyptian green toads, there's a lot of information about them in here. Um, some of the uh, Malpalon species, like the false Egyptian false cobras, there's a lot of information on here, just temperatures and not so much husbandry, but just natural history. So again, a, a guide to the reptiles and amphibians of Egypt, Sharif Baha al-Din, a very cool book. Nipper, if you're listening, I thank you so much. I, I firmly believe that one can can learn more from the natural history than they can just a simple husbandry, you know, write up. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. A lot more nuance to natural history than there is yeah. care sheets. And it also, uh, books like that really intrigue me because we I keep several species from Egypt and, and the neighboring regions, right? Whether it be Sinai or Israel or what have you. And you get an idea of where the animal was exported from, but yet you really don't know what the habitat looks like. And shy of you hoping that something's on a naturalist, this gives you a real idea of where the specimens were found, what time of year they were found, and the habitat that they're dwelling in. And that way you can use that to cross-reference your weather apps or your Google Earth or your iNaturalist or whatever. Yeah. So really that's, that's what surprised me with the Atheris book was seeing just how small the range is on so many of those species, barring yeah. squams, because squams just have that band that just pretty much spans from coast to coast yeah, right through the center. Um, everything else, it's literally like mountains. Like yeah, just spot very spotty, and it's like you you see how how little space there is that that these things are being found, and sure realizing that unfortunately they're you know they're their days are numbered. I think on a, on a lot of those yeah fronts, but um, and again, it's just, it was just cool to see pictures of species that I've that there's really only a handful of pictures on the internet that are that are actually clear and and you can see sort of what's going on. So to see all these species and stuff that you either didn't know were a thing, and some of them he actually basically said like this isn't a verified species yet, but I'm putting it separately because this is the information we have on it. You know, he shows yeah. the scalation and stuff on um, like the labial scales. Because that's a big identifier for a lot of those, a lot of those species, um, like Ceratophora, Matilde, and <clears throat> things like that. But yeah. <clears throat> uh, next, so I got these from from our our Canadian brother uh, Michael Gillen. Nice. And I'm excited to get into them. But it is the Trumbauer, the Trumbauer books. Nice. Excellent. I mean, together, like that's a, yeah. They're dense. There's a lot of. A lot of stuff in there. I've heard nothing but good things about about Craig's books. Um, these have been sitting on the stack for for a couple weeks, and I again I can't wait to to get into them. But <clears throat> just slowly working my way back 
down that stack. Um, Hell yeah. It's a lot of, you know, guys, he's been around a long time, so he's got a lot of, a lot of stories. Um, we really want to get him on corn stars, hopefully this year. Um, Cause I just want to hear about the hunt club, especially he's one of, oh, the, yeah. one of the guys that, uh, you know, was, was out at the Okatee hunt club in its heyday looking for corns and stuff. So I am, uh, I'm itching to talk to him about that, but excellent. Excellent. And both those books you can still buy. You can still contact Trumbauer directly. I think on Facebook Yeah, and he will autograph, he will ship like they're still print, printing them. They're still producing them. So yeah. And he, he signed, he signed both these two, which I thought was nice. Really cool, nice. So. And uh, if you make it to the Daytona Reptile Expo in August, he will be there with uh, with a table with animals and books for sale. So still very, very cool. The living legend. Absolutely. So I'm excited to get into these. Um, these, my plan right now is to get into these after I get into, after, after I get through Loafman's book. Nice. Which I was going to bring, but I felt like we've been exp- showing that book off a lot lately so i'll leave it off for the the book club but did you bring it down or no i did yeah we'll show it off now but now okay. that we're on the topic okay. well, you got more books to show anyway I, I i it was on amazon excellent so i had an amazon gift card for christmas or my birthday one of the two they're literally 24 hours apart <laughs> uh, so i i was like let me see if loafman's book is on there because like i'm gonna i'm gonna use it towards that and sure enough it was there's one person selling selling them on there um and i i have not cracked into this yet either but just flipping through it man Dude, flipping through it like, is intense. oh my god intense seeing some of the pictures and stuff well in I, case I, people I, miss the other show read the it. read the title <clears throat> The Natural History and Captive Care of False Water Cobras, Barons Racers, Musaranas, and other Xenodontine Snakes. Hell yeah. Uh, natural History has and will forever and will forever be Zach Lopin's first love as a biologist. Understanding the who, what, when, where, and why of animals is the most complete way to truly understand what it is to be a given species. The field of herpeticulture over the past several decades has wandered away from natural history as a driver, especially when it comes to snake husbandry. Thankfully, the path is not far and can quickly be found with a bit of guidance. Excellent. That was Loafman's goal with this book. Uh, it focuses on an underappreciated group of snakes, South Americans and Adontines, that is currently witnessing an upsurge in interest in herpeticulture. Loafman focuses chapters on the systemic history, natural history, and captive care of phyllodryanids, false water cobras, and South Americans, former members of the genus Lyophis. In addition to the systematic natural history information, Lopeman takes a deep dive into husbandry, specifically following a protocol to approach husbandry using natural history. Discussions on lighting, thermal environment, enclosure type, and size, uh, foods and feeding, as well as captive breeding, make up these sections. Lopeman's goal with this work is, was to introduce readers to the wonderful world, uh, the wonderful group of snakes, their taxonomic history, incredibly nat- interesting natural history, and unique husbandry. Excellent. So, oh God! <laughs> Skyler Williams says, "I got here just in time to hear Justin tell everyone about how great Bear and I are." I mean, but it's also—I mean, it's cool because there's you know there's people's pictures in here that we know. Um, yeah, 
you know, Roy at Project Herpeticulture, some of his his enclosures for his tricolor hogs is in here. And it's just this book, I can already tell, like flipping through this, it's going to be fantastic. I'm not going to be disappointed. For sure, man. Objectively, you know. Yeah. Yes, Loafman is a is a friend, but I'm just excited to get that. And I was actually tempted yeah. to mail it to him, have him sign it, and then have pay him to mail it back to me. <laughs> but I may just may just wait until I, I actually meet him at some point. Yeah, man, for sure. For sure. Ah, good stuff. Well, in case anyone didn't realize, my books this evening have a theme. A lot of pictures. The next book. And coloring pages. Produced by Edition Chimera. You've got to acknowledge it. <laughs> the Snakes of Zimbabwe and Botswana. By Donald Broadley and Roger Blaylock. And those of you who have heard of Donald Broadley, that's because he is named. Lots of snakes are named after him. After his Broadley eye. There you go. Um, the Snakes of Zimbabwe and Botswana. Uh, it is a... Uh, Edition Chimera, excuse me. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with Edition Chimera, they are arguably the top dog in the Rolls Royce. The oh. Rolls Royce of reptile and all animal book books. Okay. There are essentially three different covers to the types of books that Edition Chimera produces. The white cover, which is what I'm holding here, is more of a science book it is very very reference it is very very academic More formal very formal very academic i have other white covers that are dare i say unreadable because they're that boring and academic however they also make what's called a black cover now the black cover is more of a husbandry herpetoculture captive care and breeding as well as natural history and then they also have the colored covers which would be red gold green blue and those are the terralog books which are essentially i mean they're oh, glorified, I they those. yeah they're glorified picture books um that have a crap load of data revolving around one photograph so it'll have a photograph of a mountain and that mountain correlates with atheris squamagera the squamagers viper and then it'll have the measurements and the prey items and all the data associated with those wow. photos so very cool but this is a white cover book the snakes of zimbabwe and botswana um there is some cray cray pictures you think there's someone out there that that collects and has every every chimera out there that's been yeah yeah it, worth a small fortune his name is scott iper <laughs> so and i need normal uh, people that have yeah you can tell how many times I've opened and leafed through this book because the first page that I open to is the Zambezi garter, which is one of my all-time favorite snakes. It's a uh, Lapsoidea bolingeri. It's a fat crate. Yeah, man, that's that's a dream snake for me. But it just like everything else, it goes into different taxonomy and scalation and natural history. And it goes over every single snake species, species that I didn't know existed in Zimbabwe and Botswana. Um, there's a lot of snakes in Southern Africa, man. Crazy. Uh, and of course, it goes into some of the 
dirt snakes, if you will, file snakes, cobras, house snakes, uh, you name it, they've got it, herald snakes, but it gives great photographs, great information, and tons of taxonomic academic deliciousness, for lack of a better word. Um, one of the best white covers that I think I've, I've read and found. So how, how thick is it? Like how many pages is that? Uh, wow. it's, yeah. yeah, it's about the same. It's, it's a little, probably a little thicker than the other books we've shown. Let me I mean, see for, for like a single country. It's, it's impressive. I mean, it's two countries, but yeah. So including the bibliography, you're at 385. So not bad. But yeah, the snakes of Zimbabwe and Botswana. All right. Since Skylar wants to sit here and think that I'm singing the praises of Bear and I, which I'm not. This book has been brought up previously by Billy Hunt. I finally got my hands on a copy. I don't remember if I mentioned this last time we did this or not, but uh, this this was... Hey! I didn't know you one, got a copy. This, dude, this was one... That's there the only, book. only one place that was selling it, and it's someplace in Germany. Um, You don't have to say how much. Did, did it cost you an arm and a leg? It, no, it wasn't bad. I think... Just a hand? No, it was still only... 120 bucks maybe shipped excellent excellent not horrible not great but not yeah bad. not not great but worth it um and it's old world rat snakes a collection of papers by klaus dieter schultz hell yeah dude uh and i mean it's got the the superior horn snake on the back just gorgeous <laughs> uh it's an awesome book um, yeah and it, dude one of the best covers of any hurt book out there just it's like and a it calico, is, right? It is literally like a collection of papers in a book. Um, yeah, it's awesome. In fact, there's a whole section on Radnophis in here that I did not read since I've had mine. Really? Have to uh, does that. it have a back of the book paragraph? It does. Uh, God, I love that picture of that rhino. It's so crisp. <clears throat> Uh, this volume provides a comprehensive overview of the old world colubrid snakes, commonly known as rat snakes, and contains a wealth of new information on the natural history and generic classification of the this fascinating group. The book should not be considered as a second edition to the monograph by Schultz, uh, circa 1996, but rather as a detailed account of all old world species that are present or were former members of the genus Alafe. The book is divided into 16 papers and represents the collective work of 18 contributing authors. This book also contains extensive photographic documentation of each species in their natural environments with contributions made by photographers from all over the world. The inclusion of over 900 color photographs of all known species and subspecies, as well as color morphs, makes this book an invaluable reference source for both amateur and professional herpetologists alike. And it is... It's... I'm trying to remember the name of the website that I bought it from. Again, it was... Uh, Oh, see, oh, yeah. Damn. See, I'll get sucked into it flipping through it. Um, where's the place that it was? It wasn't Germany, maybe. It was. They're like a um, a dealer for books. So, like, I think they're based out of like Switzerland or something, or Germany. Uh, and this book got shipped from Switzerland, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm assuming it's not in print anymore. It's Bushmaster. 
club. Did you published. pay in euros or Swiss francs? No, oh, I paid US dollar. It converted it okay. automatically. Nice. Um, I think it was Abe, Abe or Abe Books, A-B-E. Dude, Abe Books is American. No. Abe Books is a fantastic resource. I don't, I don't know, but it was, it got shipped from Europe somewhere. So, okay. Yeah, man. Uh, so many, I would say half my collections come from Abe. Love Abe books. They're, they're a little more expensive on some of the rare stuff, but they have it, you know, and it's not that they have it. It's they're a listing site for smaller book collectors and bookshops. So let me see if it's still on there. Yeah, so it says the seller for this is in Switzerland. Okay, there you go. Um, used hardcover US is one hundred eight dollars and sixty two cents, and shipping is twenty one eighty nine. Can't beat that, man. So I don't regret it. This one was on my list for a long time, and I, yeah. I finally got around to getting it, um, and I don't regret it one bit. So it's got an awesome section in the in the back, uh, like one of the final papers that it mentions is is just about rhino rats uh, that's cool probably one of my favorite pictures of all time let me see if i can find it because the photography like i want freaking prints of of some of these pictures contribution to the knowledge of the oriental rhino rat snake i don't know if i can do this it's 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 a heavy book but wow look at that yes that's awesome killer killer and it's a big book too. It's it's almost like coffee table book it's size. Probably four hundred pages. Nice. Hell yeah. But it's got like systematic review, phylogenetic concept, morphology. Uh, it shows a like a distribution map where you know observations have been made with different numbers. Oh, that's great. Um. And it breaks down like each one of those numbers that tells you like the district and elevation they were found. Um, natural history. Like it's just, it's awesome. Hell yeah. And it, it has a lot of uh, phenotypic photos. Um, a little bit, but it's also got like habitat photos. So it shows some oh, of these, great. these rivers and stuff that they're found near. Yeah. Um, that's in Vietnam, like North Vietnam. Awesome. It even has a undercover in the rainforest canopy, the rainbow tree snake, which is Goniophis uh, margaritatus. Yeah, which is like the the unicorn snake, as I call it. The the margarita snake. Yeah, margarita. And that's probably the most information on this species that's in text anywhere because it's oh, I believe several, it. several pages just on that species, and that's not that's not information you're going to find online. I don't think. No, not at all. So. Hell yeah. Get a copy. Excellent. 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 Uh, well, I've got one more book in the stack. I can always go upstairs and get the other two. But the last book in this stack, keeping with the theme, Reptiles of the Dark Continent. I waited a long time for this book. And I don't know why I, I waited and procrastinated on this book. And there's two books in this little that came out around the same time and i just i it took me forever to, to find this book and i finally got one and this is 
the amphibians and reptiles of the Western Sahara. Uh, multiple authors. It is edition Chimera. It is a white cover, but much like the snakes of Zimbabwe and Botswana, it is not a boring white cover. It has got tons of cool information. Now, for those who are not geography buffs, <clears throat> the Western Sahara is not an actual country. It is a disputed region of the western portion of the Sahara Desert in between the countries of Mauritania and Morocco. And the border on the Mauritanian side is, pre is pretty well defined, but there is border disputes as to who owns what land between Morocco and western Sahara. I don't quite remember who actually governs it. It may have its own form of government right now, but it is very sketchy to travel there and to herp there. Can you hear that motorcycle in the background? Barely. Okay, good. Um, but it's got everything. It's not a big book. It's very thin, but it is a book book. And it, in classic edition Chimera, it covers everything. So toad species, their tadpoles, wow. and how they're keeping in rain, like estuary pools, um, different turtle species like who'd have thought there were turtles in the sahara desert like crazy um as well as some gecko species uh tarantola tarantola that i didn't know existed look at that oh, let me get the let me get the frame right mm -hmm. look at that thing dude african geckos that give knobtails runs for their money um chameleon species euromastic species and of course the snakes which trying to get to in the back hold on scutophus moliensis how awesome is that snake oh yeah was that related to like false curves yeah i, I think i'm pretty sure it i don't remember how old this is but they either lumped it or they split it hold on let me get the publication date uh, 2004 so i'm pretty sure it got lumped um but yeah just absolutely incredible from an area that nobody ever gets to go to i mean it still calls legionis legionis the uh, moroccan black cobra i mean look at that look at that animal oh yeah yeah so a very very cool book uh, a quick read simply because it's not that long, but the information in it, it's just fantastic. I mean, Serastes vipera is a Saharan sand viper with blue. Look at the blue. Mm -hmm. Absolutely awesome. So all the authors, um, I'll try and not butcher their names, but Felipe Gens, Michael Gens. I got to pee real quick. Okay. Uh, Jim Pether and Jose Antonio Mateo. The present book with its maps, its beautifully illustrated species accounts and its identification key, but also with its concern for species conservation will certainly form the basis for any further progress in herpetocultural exploration of the Western Sahara but is relative also for neighboring areas in southern Morocco, northern Mauritania, and western Algeria. Therefore, authors and publishers are to be congratulated for this book. Uh, again, a, a very small book, but for a white cover, it has lots of good information. It will not bore you. 
It gives you what you want and how you want it. Uh, Tomo Paterna Cryptosis. How cute is that frog? Look at that frog. That thing's adorable. But yeah. I love African species. I love desert species. And this book is just one more for the, uh, for the collection. Um, there is a book that came out around the same time, and it is Dangerous Snakes of the Middle East. If anyone comes across that book, let me know. I've been looking for it. They've gone up in price astronomically, so if I can find one, even if it's secondhand, I'm, I'd probably consider it. Harry asked what that to toad was that you showed initially. The, the red toad? Let me see. Hold on. Oh yeah, look at the photos, the habitat photos. Like, dude, I gotta go. I gotta go there. Look at that. It's another Looks planet. Magic card. Legit mana, right? History of herpetology in the Western Sahara. The first reference to reptiles and amphibians appear in an article published by the Annales de Historia Natura by Francisco Coroga in 1886. In this work, the author recounts incidents suffered with Captain Julio Cerveva and the diplomat Filippo Rizzio on a trip of apparent naturalistic character carried out to the Rio de Oro, the Tristis and Andar, et Tamar, but which had the real objective to begin negotiations with the Sheikh Ahmad ben Mahamal, Ul el Adid, for the incorporation of the territory into the Spanish crown. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, just history running out into the desert yeah man for sure i'm trying to find the toad that harry saw i don't remember which page i think it was the one with the tadpoles right harry it was red <laughs> i see it yes i am a nerd 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 Fucking nerd, dude. Now I'm gonna neighborhood. That's what I call the neighborhood kids. I'm gonna flip through every single page to try and find this one tadpole picture because Harry's a pain in my ass. They'll be out being felons in the front oh. yard, and they'll be like nerds. It is well, according to this, it was Bufo Brongersmai, an adult female, seven kilometers from Agdez towards our. Our Zagazarat in the Anti Atlas Mountains of Morocco. So, you better stop with that. I got stuff that's starting to float around the room. What does that mean? You're summoning demons with your, with your... <laughs> yes. You gotta, so, you you? the amphibians of the amphibians of reptiles of Western Sahara, check it out. Fucking nerds, All right. Uh, this is one I actually I, I, I want to revisit and reread, um, and it's the art of keeping snakes. Hell yeah, dude! I've had this copy since I was but a boy. Is that uh, a TFH book? AVS. 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 I was close. Same thing. When was this published? It was early two thousand, mid two thousands. Uh, da, 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 2004. So, nice. 
this was the first book that I, I remember reading because he mentions uh, keeping Nerodia. Oh, really? Which up until that point, I was I didn't think anyone was keeping those. Like he put an emphasis on keeping Nerodia. I thought that was really cool. Um, so I want to re I want to revisit this. Um, let's see. It's it's uh it's by Philippe de Vaugely. Of course. Uh, snakes are among the most beautiful and fascinating creatures of all the vertebrates. It is no wonder there are more than 50 species of snake regularly bred in captivity and more than 100 species available in pet stores. But how does the keeping of snakes become art by developing a naturalistic vivarium system that puts snakes' welfare and quality of life above all? This will enhance your enjoyment in observing these fascinating creatures. Inside, you'll learn how to set up, maintain, set up and maintain a vivaria you learn which snakes are best display snakes and how to handle, feed, and care for them. Most importantly, you'll learn that the reason for keeping snakes is not just for captive breeding, but to derive enjoyment from watching a snake's behavior in a naturalistic environment. So, Amen. It's, uh, oh. I guess this was my bookmark at one point. <laughs> wow, look at that. I don't. Is that your corn snake? I don't, I don't remember. I don't think so. It's an annery. I don't know. That's probably been in here since 2004. So <clears throat> wild, man. I love it. But he talks like there's, you know, he covers specific species. Um, you know, there's hog noses, um, American rat snakes. Just I remember weird. when that book came out, uh, Underground's retail store used to have like a magazine carousel. And they had the most current issue of Reptiles mag, and then they had a bunch of TFH books, and and uh, and and what was it? ASC, right? No, the the publisher of your book in your hand. AVS. 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 Sorry, and I remember that book on the rack and being like, "Oh man, a book on chondros. That's so cool!" And it wasn't until years later I realized it was about all snakes. Yeah, but I mean, there's like part two of the book is the best display snakes, and then it breaks it down. You know, it's got chondros and carpet pythons sort of at the forefront. Um, but yeah, I just I want to reread it, man. Hell yeah! Amazon tree boas talks about skin blister disease, sort of common ailments you might have with setups like that. Um, breeding, feeding, sort of the basics. Uh, preventing fires, which is nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, certain plants, like plants that are good for vivaria, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that's a super helpful reference. It'd be nice to go back and, and reread sort of that. Yeah, don't put I've used. Don't put West Indian lilac in your herbivores enclosure. Planting vivaria, cage accessories, you know, that old chestnut, so... I'm sure you can find a copy of this still. Um, there may have even been a version, like an updated edition, a revised edition or something uh, published after this. This is just one that's always been on my shelf and it shows because it's kind of beat up. It's it's seen better days. but Yeah, man. It got used. It did. From the experts at Advanced Vivarium Systems. Creating naturalistic vivaria landscaping chooses a snake using bioactive substrates. The book that started everything about hating racks. 
Purple Church. Thank you. The one that started it. And you didn't have any more, right? Uh, I do. I have a couple upstairs, but I, I didn't bring them down. I didn't know how many we were going to do. So, Well, my last one. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, is a new one. I mentioned it not that long ago. Snakes, Biology, Diversity, and Behavior. It's by David Gower, Katie Garrett, and Simon Maddock. Um, David Gower is a merit researcher at the Natural, Natural History Museum in London whose expertise lies in Sicilians, Triassic, Archaeosaurian reptiles, as well as snakes. And then Katie Garrett, long interested in amphibians and reptiles and conservation biology. She's a British filmmaker and science communicator based in Virginia. Uh, Simon Maddock is a herpetologist with the Scientific Associate of Natural History Museum and a lecturer in ecology and evolution at Newcastle University in the UK. Uh, snakes is a comprehensive introduction to the biology and natural history of the ecologically diverse and important group of animals from garter snakes and vipers to boas and pythons. Authors David Gower, Katie Garrett, and Simon Maddox showcase the variety and complexity of a group that includes more than 4,000 living species. Snakes inhabit almost every part of the globe. While some live only in the water, others are found primarily in treetops of rainforests or underground in deserts. This book reveals the myriad ways myriad ways snakes have adapted to such diverse habitats and the workings of their unique behavior. How they are able to move so gracefully without limbs, swallow meals several times the size of their head, and survive without eating for months. Along the way, readers will also learn about the latest research on new species, taxonomic changes, and conservation status. With stunning color illustrations throughout, Snakes is an indispensable guide to these fascinating and awe-inspiring creatures. Awesome. And this was literally published 2023. So, brand new. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. But it seems to be fairly um, standard for, you know, the evolution of snakes. Uh Looks like the first part is structure and lifestyle, so it goes over taxonomy classification, the or origins and fossil record of snakes, anatomy, senses, temperature regulation, feeding and diet, venom, reproduction, predator evasion, and defense. The second section is the evolutionary tree and classification of snakes, and then the third section is snake diversity, and it goes over the you know all the different families, so like boids and pythons, nice file snakes, uh, dwarf boas, blind snakes. Slug eaters, vipers, mud snakes, cobras, colubrids, all that. So, very cool. Do you feel that that would be a great book for someone just getting into herpetology or herpeticulture? Uh, I mean, from what I've seen so far, probably. I don't think it's it's not anything super heavy. I think it's. But at least it lets someone you know dive in appropriately. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like people sort of learning the the families and and it shows the anatomy of, of like skeletal anatomy, um, internal anatomy. It's overall it seems pretty well rounded. Um, for someone who's sort of privy to a lot of this stuff already and sort of is familiar with a lot of it, it's you know again just a good probably a reference book. It's nothing too huge either. It's you know. How many pages? About 200-ish, just under. Cool, man. So, Is that something people could pick up on Amazon? It's on Amazon. It's also on Hamilton Books. It wasn't crazy expensive, and I, I thought it was an older book just because the picture on the front looks like an older, sort of like faded out yeah. Trimeresserus picture. 
um, or Crespitus Cephalus or whatever they're called. It's now. okay. You um, can say Tremersus. So I thought it was an older book because I also saw it on Hamilton. So I was like, it must be an older book. Yeah. It's not. It's it's like brand new. So. Oh, excellent. <clears throat> it's some. I don't know when I'm going to get into this one. I will at some point. But yeah. Has a little section on invasive species. Mole snakes, mock vipers, Madagascan elapoids. Just interesting. Very cool. So, Very cool. Are there any books or things that there aren't books of currently that you hope someone will put one out on? Like, um, what do you? What books do you think we need in terms of things covered? So I obviously I've been on a toad kick and I feel like there is several amphibian based books. There is also several books, much like the ones I just showed that are, you know, X, Y, and Z of X, Y, and Z area. Um, But there's no real book book that I could find to cater towards herpetoculture in general, in terms of toad captive husbandry propagation, that kind of stuff whether it be species specific or genus specific or even clade specific. Um, and I, maybe I just missed it. Maybe I'm not looking in the right areas, uh, but I feel like there should be more of that. Uh, there's a lot of papers out there on a lot of cool species. Uh, it's just, it's hard to dig. It really is. I also feel like there could be more books on Terrapin style turtles um, not necessarily purely aquatic, but some of the brackish stuff, maybe even some of the Australian stuff. Uh, and again, this is me just skimming the surface looking for things, but it's difficult because you you type in book on toads or toad book and you get a lot of children's stuff, which is cool. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, it's like happy, happy Skippy Toad and his wonderful amphibian friends and like that's great show kids metamorphosis from tadpole to to toadlet that's awesome man for god's sake but i am an adult and uh i definitely want to learn about the phylal 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 i can't even say it i want to learn more about toads man so especially like the spade foot clade Mm -hmm. both european and north american i think it's very very interesting how they've evolved to be completely different in their own niche of ecosystem both in europe and north america and how they've adapted to the different ecosystems of north america and still are not in competition with other genera of similar body design and evolution i think it's fantastic um harry when you you think about just toads and and even turtles in particular especially like aquatic turtles to me it seems like every time i see a book on those it's something field guide like it's really not yeah anything yeah specific to like natural history you know phylogeny like any of that sure it's, it's like these are the turtles of your area here's a couple pictures yeah here's a tri-fold pamphlet yeah barnes and noble that's laminated so and they're not even real photos they're you know, uh, scientific illustrations from the 1970s. So, but yeah, Harry Claiborne has some great ones. Uh, a Dry Markham book would be fantastic. Um, uh, someone picking apart Spilotes would be pretty awesome, uh, or any of the South American puffing type snakes. Uh, 
I think that there is a lot of books that are being put out right now, especially in South American countries. For example, I believe the complete guide to snakes of Venezuela is out. I think there's a complete guide to reptiles and amphibians of Ecuador that's out and they are South American print. So they're in Spanish. And I feel like there is some of that stuff that is going to come to English, but there's a lot of cool literature in our community worldwide that is being published in foreign languages. And we not, we may not be privy to, to get that simply, be, simply because of that language barrier. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, there was there were several South American books that I was I was looking at because I'm just I'm not a I'm not a South American guy, but it still interests me. I thought maybe if I got like you know complete guide to reptiles and amphibians of Ecuador, that might spark right. something. But I I wasn't I'm not going to buy it because it's all in Spanish. So um, I know some of them that are on Instagram, they're going to put out an English version. It's just they're basically going to they they did like some crowdfunding to get the books published on some of these. And then they're going to use some of the proceeds from the first Spanish sale to hopefully produce one in English. So things like that I, I know are going on. So I'm not going to say there's nothing new coming out or, or, or anything, but it, it's going to be a while before we get a big jump in content, I think, from those international authors and publishers. Do you think with books sort of that are hyper-focused on particular groups like the, you know, the complete sub and, and things like that. Do you think now is a good time for people to start doing those kinds of things? Even if it's like how I've talked about a bear die book. And it's like the one thing that sort of really stopped me from that is like, it's not going to be, it's, it's going to be kind of small. Like, it's not going to be anything crazy, but yeah, I, like, do you think there's still value? Like, so like, you know, Timbers versus cane breaks, like Billy Jenkins said, like, I feel like you could reasonably write a decent book about, you know, the natural history of, of both and then sure. sort of compare and contrast and show range maps, you know, of how things shift and that kind of thing. Like I'd buy that. Absolutely. You know, it's like, I Absolutely. feel like people might be under the impression that you have to be a doctor or have a PhD or anything like that to be able to, to put out a book like that. And, you know, self-publishing is, is a thing now. Um, so, you know, you don't necessarily have to have the backing of a, of a major publisher or anything. Right. Um, that is kind of the, the great thing about the internet is you can, you can, everything's DIY if you want it to be. So. Oh yeah, and that dusky pygmy book is in my cart right now. I haven't gotten it, but I, I want it. So that dusky pygmy book, dusky the dusky pygmy rattlesnake, the diminutive giant, is one of the best hurt books produced, in my opinion. It is very small. It is very inexpensive. It is a quick read, but the amount of stuff they shove in there, and it, it it's a great it's a great quick quick read. I mean, you could read the whole thing in a night, and and even if you're not a reader. Uh, I think it's like $12 on Amazon. It's it's super cheap. But people don't realize like, it, all crotalids, all rattlesnake species in North America is believed to have evolved from the dusky. That's amazing. So it goes into little little factoids like that, as well as some some captive care and some some field stuff. But 
it doesn't matter how book how big the book is i feel like it, someone like yourself smitty who is so passionate about bear rat snakes i think it'd be great if you wrote a book <clears throat> excuse me on bear rat snakes specifically i feel like there are certain people in our community certain people who are just passionate and they have a love of a particular species or a particular genera and they should write that book they should uh, I feel like there are also people out there who think they should write that book and probably shouldn't. Um, but I also don't want people to think, oh, to be somebody, I have to write a book or to no one's going to do it. So I might as well do it. Or I, I, I want the people to write the book much like Dr. Loafman did with his Dipsatted book and as well as the Hognose book that's to come. The man is extremely passionate about it. You know what I mean? Dr. Julander wrote the complete carpet python because he's incredibly passionate about it. You see what I'm saying? And yeah, he made some money, but nobody really writes these books for the money. They write it because they are absolutely enamored and passionful about these species. And they want to bring that knowledge base to other like-minded individuals. And I feel like that's that's the cause right there. I also feel like there are a lot of people that think it is trendy to write a book right now and that they see other people in our community who have written books and they think, well, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to get on that, too. And it's a lot harder than people think. And I'm not trying to discourage anyone. If you want to do it, do it. May it be the best piece of literature that you've ever written and everyone love it and it be successful and wonderful at it wish nothing but the best i just don't want people to think they need to write a book you know i don't, I don't want people to feel like oh i have to write a book if you want to write that book then write it and do it and be great well like i mean the dry mark on one is a good example you know like yeah that, there's nothing out there that is specific to to that that genus and you know there's i think there's more than enough people that would be qualified to to contribute sure. to that and even if it was multiple people that that made it happen um you know i think it just it'd be good to as a as a hobby and you know quote unquote industry or community uh for more of those people that are specialized into those specific groups or species in particular like yeah it, it may not be a massive book or anything like that but yeah. you know how many books do we both have that are you know 20 years old and we still have them and we're yeah. still interested in read like these you know these last forever you know internet pages and stuff come and go and, and yeah. aren't always there so yeah agreed i uh i'm gonna let everyone on a big secret i back in 20 when did you and i start hanging out was it 2018 2017 earlier uh, 2017 2018 yeah, yeah well right around the time that you and i started hanging out i started writing a knobtail book i remember that yeah and i got about uh almost two-thirds maybe 50 percent done and i had everything lined up and graphed out and paragraphs written i started to get photos from friends and i actually booked myself for 2020 to go to australia for a month and tour the entire continent to photograph every single species of knobtail in the wild 
and my one good friend who's a photographer he was going to come with me we we're going to meet up with my buddy elliot Budd over in queensland and uh we basically we compiled gps coordinates from friends of every single knobtail species and the goal was to basically get at the time i think there was 14 at the time it was before um uh, asper got split and we we're going to do it and it was like look as much as we want to see snakes and lizards and bugs and natural landscapes and scenery we're going to go looking for the geckos and everything else that's a bycatch rock and roll you know what i mean and that was the goal to basically have the book be full of original photos and, and if we got photos from friends in terms of like breeding and husbandry yeah. and that's great but we wanted to have our own photos and then COVID hit and uh the whole thing got ruined and we our lives shifted and lockdowns and everything got put on hiatus and then you and i took a trip to west texas and i got to meet one of my internet idols mr dr justin julander and it was right when he wrote his book and i was <laughs> i was i was i, I want to say i was crushed i was I was, I don't want to say crushed. It's a bad word, but for lack of a better synonym, I was like, Oh no. I was like, what if I, what, what do I do? Like, like the dude, the Aussie dude wrote right. the book on like, how am I supposed to compete with that? You know? And now I'm, I'm literally sharing a hotel room with the man. And I, we were hanging out one night and you were there and we were talking and I was like, look, man, I, 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 I don't know. I was going to bring it up to you. I don't crushed know. My but, dreams. But I have a book, I have a, you know, 50, 60% of a book written, you know, wh what would you do? What, what should I do? And he, his words were finish it, do it. He's like, use my books information to augment yours, you know, and, 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 and make it even more, you know, and then we'll just keep on doing it. And it was so motivating to me and just, not not the resp i don't know what response i was expecting you know what i mean but he was so awesome and motivational and inspirational that i can't thank him enough dr julander if you listen to this dr j you're awesome but i wound up not picking the book back up simply because of life and work and time and when i had time to start writing again i realized that it wasn't the right time in my life personally. So I still have all my writing. I still have everything. And maybe in a year or two when things are a little different, I'll get back into it. Um, but he was right. Just keep on doing it. And if you're passionate about it, write it and, and, and use all of your resources. And who says that there's only one book on one species? You know what I mean? Write it, do it, love it, share it. Well, even and, then, over time, especially if it's something you're taking your time doing, yeah, you, know, you look at like I, the complete chondro versus you know the Julander Phillip book. It's like I don't tell people pick one or the other. I tell them get both because it's exactly. like yes, uh, you know the complete chondro is is fairly dated in terms of what people do now and keeping and stuff, but there's still plenty of of good information and and good. Uh, insight into certain things as far as keeping them um and that that natural history book while it's you know probably half the size is still like a great complement to to that yeah. other book and vice versa you know they're to me that's like the best of both worlds like you get maxwell who was 
a big part in in the designer chondros and what we have now but then you have now the natural history and here's how they're really living yeah you know yeah. take take the best of both and and put them together and go from there yeah agreed and uh it's because of dr Julander's inspiration and and motivation that i've started other projects and other pieces of literature for the future and who's to say he's not going to come out with a volume two of knob tales who's to say that i'm not going to finish mine and we'll both have them out and the more the merrier you know yeah. what i mean so i think people that want to write a book do it just do it if it and if it comes out not the way you thought oh well at least you did it and i mean that's when people say the biggest regret in life is not trying you know and you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't that's take. it that's it and uh i will definitely revisit that knob tail book but i have other projects in the woodworks that i'm more passionate about right now and uh we'll see what the future holds but i think you should definitely write a baird's book i think you should the perfectionist's output is zero says harry which is very true that's very true very true was yeah. it hemingway said never let an author read your book because well, how did he phrase it? Was it never let another author read your book because he'll he won't like it or something to that extent? Google Hemingway quotes. I don't remember. Yeah, I have definitely tossed around the idea of of doing a Baird's book. Um, I think kind of my main constraint is mostly as well been time and. Uh, it's just so bizarre because it's like if I don't put myself on some sort of deadline or timeline, it won't get done. But if I put myself on some sort of timeline or deadline, I I feel pressure to get it done quickly. Yeah, and then it's not necessarily how you wanted it. One of and the I can't find that that middle ground. One of the hardest parts for me with the Gecko book was going down the scientific paper rabbit hole and i don't mean like i mean legitimately going down the rabbit hole of okay i'm focusing on nephris asper the prickly knobtail right this is before they split it right and i'm using the resources online that are available to me as a non-academic and at this point i've gotten access to several other places like ResearchGate and stuff like that but i was not i'm i am not enrolled in in higher education i am not employed in science i'm not employed in higher education so therefore my access to this knowledge is very very limited and i would find a paper from albert gunther circa 1876 and i would start deep diving old taxonomy to find the link to other species and who was on that ship that brought those specimens and let me get the history of that ship okay mm -hmm. and that ship was captained by captain smitty and captain smitty also captained the the boat you know blah 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 and then well, did blah 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 go to solomon islands and then i'm like well, why am i reading about blah 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 ship in solomon islands we're supposed to be reading about knobtail geckos and and that that was a major <laughs> departure for me mm -hmm. and now i'm very selective as to what papers i'm reading and i'll read the abstract and maybe i'll read a couple paragraphs and then i'll just scroll through them to see if there's graphs or there's sections that i want to highlight and use and um and then i just start saving them to google docs and just saving them and i'm just right now i'm in a and i'm in a phase in some of my literature that 
I'm just stockpiling reference so that once I have enough, in my opinion, then I can start write, rewriting and, and snipping and using the, the, the information that I've gathered to really put it to paper. Yeah. I mean, honestly, my, my biggest concerns um, is a getting the referencing right. Um, which I know that's not anything too difficult to, to navigate. It's just been such a long time since I did any of that, you know, yeah. writing wise. That yeah, but that's irrelevant. We, you can do that afterward, you know. <laughs> yeah, but then there's also if I go and talk to guys like Trumbauer or Troy Hibbets or some of those guys that have probably put their eyes on more bears than I'll probably ever do myself. Right. You know, information they get me get, that I get from them, phrasing that in a way to where I'm not just verbatim writing down what they tell me. Uh, yeah, but that's that's knowledge gathering, man. That's I just there's just some small like te- uh, uh, not technological but technical parts about it that that have kind of dissuaded me a little bit from. I think out of fear of not doing it correctly. And yeah, but that's, that's the whole that you write and you write and you write. And as you write, you reference. And then once you're done, you have your reference numbers. You have the papers and books and journals that you've referenced all written down your, your fake slap together bibliography. Right. And then you, once you have it written, then you can piece everything together and, and go back and make credits and citations and what have you. So th- that was my biggest thing is like, okay, I'm inserting this factoid here. Well, where do I, where did I get that factoid? Oh, I got it from paper number 143. So I would just write down, you know, in the margin on the computer, 143. And I know that's what I'm referencing and so on and so forth. And, and dude, it, it what's Harry? <laughs> right drunk edits over. <laughs> nice (laughs) thanks harry yeah and then if you know scientific paper wise you know again like making sure you're referencing that correctly and then making sure you're interpreting that information that you're reading from that correctly and yeah because again like we're not academics i mean i can read a paper and for the most part keep up with whatever's going on but there are some things where i'm reading it and i'm like i have no yeah but that's where you find someone you find someone who does and you pick their brain you make friends you you communicate and learn what you can and then put it in a way that the common folk like us can actually understand it you know dude that's one of my biggest problems with the stiletto snake book dude that stiletto snake book is so freaking cool but there is so much stuff i just don't understand and now i'm i'm literally googling the crap out of some of these terms and some of these tests and See, but I like that stuff because it, it, you know, a it's challenging, but b it's also you get, you know, by looking into it more and and trying to learn what you need to to sort of keep up with what they're talking about. Like you are right. learning a lot in that process itself. Yeah, there you go. And I feel like it's also it can be discouraging and daunting, but you got to remember why you're doing it. You got to mm-hmm. remember why and how you're doing it, and make it work to your advantage make it work how you work if you're a uh visual learner then go about it that way if you're an auditory auditory learner then dude i have taken papers i'm not an auditory learner i'm a visual learner but i've taken papers that didn't quite read right to me i'm also 
dyslexic as hell and I went to school for it and everything, but we have the, the, on the iPhone that was it Siri speak or whatever, mm-hmm. where I can highlight paragraphs from a research paper, click Siri speak, and that chick will read it to me. It's 21st century, man. Let's use the tools we got rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. If I did, did it do bears, book? it definitely have a section that just sort of showed the localities and, and photos from those. Of course, you know, of course. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't. Is, I wouldn't call it the complete Bairds for sure. Like that, I feel like that's been overdone. Yeah, you write. You write it however you want to write it, and and that's the other thing too. Is I, I've, I've gotten stuck on even when we were writing magazine articles for our magazine, I would get stuck on the name of the article before I even had the first paragraph finished, and I'm thinking to myself, who gives a crap what the name is? Write the article and then come up with the name. You know, things like things like that. You know, what photos am I going to use? Well, you can't put photos in a book if you didn't write the book first. So as you're writing the book and you're talking about uh, 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 Nephris Levis Pilbarensis and you're talking about Shark Coast and the different phenotypes found throughout the Shark Coast, well, that's great. Write down what you want to put, but don't focus on finding pictures and, and, and going about that way. Metal Snakes of Baird's Rat Snake Compendium by Smitty. <laughs> nice. Nice. So yeah, I think I think yeah, it's I, you know it's it's because I there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I, I would very much enjoy putting together as far as books go, you know, something that is specific to Ganyasoma stuff, you know, across the board. Sure. Ganyasoma and their sister taxa. Um so you know your rhinos your reins your your persinum that stuff uh true ganyos like it would be awesome to have a have a something compiled on those that is in a similar vein to to sort of the edition chimera stuff where it talks about the the different species and stuff but also goes into to captive care of of each and dealing with imports and stuff and i feel like that would be something that i definitely have other people help me with um that are experienced in the things that i'm not in that group uh but there's only so much time in a day i'm with you man i'm with you and there's there's so many times when i get home from work and i take care of the dog and i take care of i go and look in the snake room and make sure the water bowls are not funky and i sit down on the couch and i go man i should really bust out the laptop and i'm just like no brain power is yeah just sometimes there. you just ain't you know out. yeah yep. i feel so, you so yeah and sometimes i'm staring at iNaturalist for four hours going whoa my god it's midnight i gotta get the hell asleep mm-hmm. you know so it's what we do man freaking nerds it's the title of this I just, episode. you know i just think instead of waiting for for certain like individuals that we know are sort of the the herpeticultural authority on on certain things you know it's like yeah they may write a book eventually they may not write one at all so it's like sure get in contact with those people and say like hey i'm, I'm thinking about putting something together you know get their opinion on it if if they're willing to help you out and i just i think as as quote unquote true herpeticulturists if we're wanting to sort of expand these things like 
it, it's on us to kind of do it, you know, for sure. And as much as I love you saying, Hey, uh, so-and-so expert, I'm thinking about doing this and thinking about doing that. What are your opinions? As much as we value their opinion and we respect their opinion, it don't mean nothing. You know, you write what you yeah, want to write, and you do. It's not like it. asking permission necessarily. No, but, but basically like, saying it, like, it, I'm not going to start this if you're currently working on something and you're not telling anybody. Sure. I don't want to be working on something, and then right. But I've also seen that backfire miserably, where you know you've gone to someone and said, "Hey, uh, Rhino Ratsnake expert, I'm thinking about putting a book together. I've compiled a bunch of data. Um, what are your thoughts on the topic?" And they're like, "Oh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't do it." And then they wind up doing it. Yep. Yeah. So to me, it is almost better to keep things to yourself in that regard until you have something almost done or, or, or in the final stages. Because when it comes down to brass tacks, you're doing it for you and you're doing it for herpetoculture. So that's just it. And I also yeah, feel and like so like in that you, in by that token, like that's sort of the point I'm getting at is like if it's if that's what it's about and you're not worried about being the first one to bat and you're not worried about the financial gain, like yeah, and whatever, you know. I'd like even when you look at, at Dusty Rhodes book on subox and stuff, uh you know, that did a lot for that species. I think even through us reading that book and then talking about it and realizing like yeah. how cool those were because of that book. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm sure we've we've helped sort of bring more people into the the realization of of that species and and yeah. why they're worth considering and so it is kind of a domino effect I guess, but most definitely. And I've I'm guilty of I don't want to say too much. So I'm writing something X, Y, and Z. I reach out to someone who has been presented to me as a leading authority. I communicate with them. They basically tell me, oh, yeah, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. And I'm like, shit, I am late to the party. I am. I got to the party, and they are starting to pull the tablecloths off the tables. They're packing up. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to waste my time. Let me see how this unfolds and see if I even want to reevaluate or anything. And then time goes by and nothing happens. And that individual is out of herpetoculture. So were they full of crap? Did they really finish something and then never publish it? Was it a sham? Was it talking up a big game? Was it delusions of grandeur? I have no idea. But I am never going to let that stop me in the future. I'm going to write and I'm going to do what I want to write and what I want to do for me and for hopefully for herpetoculture. I don't want to sound conceited or, or, or like I'm something special, but I'd like to hope that I can, that what I write or what I construct or what I produce is going to have some kind of effect to someone, even if it's just Harry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the other other thing that that sort of has also concerned me as far as putting something together too is like figuring out the actual. And again, it's a it's a technical hurdle at best, and it's it's just like with the magazine, you know, the margins and layout and making sure that you're yeah everything you're putting together is right. I don't know how how it's actually done on like a, yeah, but it's, actual a, it's irrelevant. Book. It's a, it's it's all irrelevant 
until you're done writing. Finish writing. Write the book. You know what no, I mean? I, mean I, I don't want to go through the, the things of writing a book and then realizing that the way I did it and formatted it was was completely wrong and not not usable in the sense of like look I, I got books on my shelf that are just paper glued together with no no cover no like hard cover or like no no different thickness of cover on the paper cover just it it's just there and it cost me five dollars and it still has all the information you see what i'm saying yeah so you write the book and then figure out the rest. The production, the production of it is is irrelevant until you have something written, in my opinion. Yeah, but you know how I am, dude. If I'm gonna do something, I'm I'm going going hundred percent. Yeah, and no and no one's gonna no one's telling you you're not. I'm just saying I wouldn't I would not even think about who's gonna produce it or what the cover photo is or you know, how big is the actual frame of the book? Am I going to do eight by 10 or am I going to do a coffee table book or am I going to do a pamphlet? You know, I'm not thinking about any of that. I just want to get the information compiled, written, and and then start the framework. So I see. I like to think about that kind of stuff, you know, just as like a motivator of like sort of getting myself excited about doing it. You know? Yeah. Just imagine the finished product and you have a very specific sort of vision in your head as far as what you want it to look like and want it to be and like sure, sure. Cause I don't I don't know about you, but as far as anything design wise, you know, even with the magazine, um I very quickly know in my head how I want things to be laid out and how I want them to look. Sure. Like I'm sure I, I've I'm very cognizant of the fact that I, I am good at being able to picture something, even in photography. Yeah. Um, knowing exactly how I want the shot to be and being able to make that happen. Um, I, I've, I've been fortunate that that's, that's. Yeah. And, and, and I, I would agree with you a thousand percent, but I'll also say if you didn't know how long the article was, or you didn't know what the article was about or how you wanted to, how you're, how the article reads or what the what the topic is per se then you you got nothing to frame you know what i mean that sort of works out like a you know in in my head i see sort of a, a basic skeletal structure of how i think like the route i think i want to go sure and then sort of as it's put together you realize okay well i'm you know i'm i have a half a page of blank space to work with you know if we're talking about the magazine in particular it's like, okay, then I need, you know, maybe I put one nice panoramic type shot on the bottom to fill up space. And then, you know, one of those little yeah. subquote deals there. And like, I just, I like having an idea of, of again, it's like a motivator for me. Like, sure. So like this is, well, and I also feel like I have the it, grand vision. You also are very keen on doing it. You know what I mean? To me, if I if I wrote a book, I would write me personally. I would write the book, have an idea of how I want to lay it out. But I'm also probably going to seek a professional, me personally, and be like, "Look, how would you do this? How are you? Even if I have to pay them to do it, right? They're a professional. That's what they do, and they are clearly successful because they're a professional at it. And kind of go from there. Um, but again, to me. You, you gotta have you gotta have content first before you do mm -hmm. any of that. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm absolutely not going to go and and make a make a cover and things like that before I have anything. Yeah, yeah, put together. But I'll at least have an idea of okay, if I'm going to like, I'll I'll usually have an idea of what I want to be on the cover. I'll usually have an idea of sort of the font style I want to use, how I'm going to lay it out. Like, it's stuff I've put thought into before. Sure, sure. Uh, I thought about the color of the paper. I'm that guy too. I just don't talk about it. I will I will say this though. Going back to the Baird book, it is such a small community and it is such a niche species that if there is anyone thinking about doing it, they would either probably not because they're going to assume you are or they're going to want to collaborate with you. And I feel like you should just yeah, do it. It'll, it'll sell... 10 copies it'll be great that's it doesn't matter if you sell one copy it's the fact that you did it yeah and i i, I started working on a like a reptiles as a business book and i got a handful of pages into that and my my plan for that was to not even bother doing hard copies but just have it be an ebook which sure. i'm not crazy about i'm weird i like tangible books i don't like ebooks yeah. i've tried reading books on my phone and it's a pain yeah um and then like either making it free or making it like 10 bucks sure you know, something crazy i just again it's just like the magazine man it was like it was it's just about moving the moving the goalpost forward yeah getting that ball into the end zone but the end zone doesn't exist. It's good. Ray Finkel. Laces out, Dan. Laces out. Is there anything else? Nah, man. We covered a lot of cool stuff tonight. The Darth Lapis School for Kids Who Can't Read Good. I know, dude. I really wanted to wear my hoodie tonight and like have the hood, but it's <laughs> I'm sweating out here. So, yeah. Fuck that. I'm in mm. basketball shorts and a t-shirt. Ugh. It's cooling off a little bit. But... Speaking of end zone, you Florida folk, how about those Buccaneers? We're going to talk about Florida teams right now. Who's going to the Super Bowl? I don't even pay attention to. Uh, I barely it. pay attention to college ball, but I don't even know what's going on with pro ball. Yay, sports. All I know is is Taylor Swift is on the the. Kentucky Chiefs, whatever team that is, Kansas City. Yeah, I was watching a thing on my dad had the game on, and she was at the game, and I was we were, we were BSing about like I would never want that much exposure in my life. Think about this: she can never pick her nose, she can never she can never make a funny face and sneeze, she can never like lean to the side to squeeze out a fart like. It's just not going to happen. She's constantly under the microscope to the point where now, because you know they have all the lip readers in the in the pro sports arenas, yeah. she has to cover her mouth to say something to like her mom sitting next to her because they're trying to figure out what her lips are saying as they're reading her with binoculars. Like, who wants that exposure, man? I feel bad for the bar. Strange. Yeah. If I was the rest of the Chiefs, I'd be pretty pissed that the only reason they've got a bunch of fans all of a sudden is because of Taylor Swift. Because you know, the moment she's gone, they're gone too. <laughs> probably the swifties rolling packs buddy yeah oh man 
All right. On that hard, note, hard to hate Mayfield when you're white trash. What? Jesus. <laughs> on that note, Snake and Stogies, episode Hearing 191. I don't get it. Who's a snitch? Kasiki, I need explanations. Yee yee, Harry said. Yeah. Florida, man. It's late. This episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Shop around. See all the awesome offerings that they offer. Yes. Use the code THN at checkout. Get 10% off your order. Save yourself on shipping. Save yourself on freight. There's a pickup option. Grab it. You need a rack. You need a cage. You need a little bit of both. Do both. Get it all. You won't be disappointed. FullVisaPeril.com. Also use that code THN. Get 15% off your order. That is the exclusive promo code for THN listeners and viewers like you. Harry Claiborne, can you take me higher? Go Creed and go THP. It's the wrong wrong podcast, though, Harry. That's all right. We allow it. Uh, Puget Sound Pythons. Follow them. Facebook, Instagram. Hunt them down on Morph Market. Stay in the loop. We all bleed creed, said Billy Jenkins. <laughs> yes, we do, Billy Jenkins. Yes, we do. Oh, good people in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Puget Sound Pythons. And then the best damn coffee around. Not even necessarily our signature blend. Any of it. Coldbloodcaffeine.com. Yeah. You will not be disappointed if you, if you were a real coffee connoisseur. And you consider yourself to be a coffee connoisseur. Then you need to be getting... Cold-blooded caffeine coffee. If you're saying you're a connoisseur and then you're doing that that Nescafe like freeze-dried stuff, freeze-dried taste is choice. Get out of here. Yeah. Get some. Ain't, ain't some about the real, life. Some real coffee. Ship to your door. Use the link down below. Use the code S and S at checkout. Get ten percent off your order. Ampersand, a little squiggly. And I'm going to change it. I'm going to fix that. Okay. At some point, probably tomorrow, maybe. We'll see. I'll probably okay. forget. Yeah, you will. New snake shirt idea, Creed based. Smitty pounding monsters and selling coffee. It's only because I don't have any of our coffee currently. The two bags I took with me on vacation got, got disappeared real quick. Got, got. They got, got. So. Uh, shout out to the Barcheck family. Yes, that was very, uh, very sad. I was a bit confused because I thought with the video that they had posted a week or so ago that that was when he had passed away, but I guess that's when he went into hospice. And then I guess today, uh, it was announced that that Brian did in fact pass away. Um, so it's a bummer whether you love him or you hate him, the whole situation's sad. Um, you know, objectively, it's it's hard to say that that he didn't have some effect on the on the industry and how many people are in it as a result. So, yeah, it's a bummer. But uh, yep. we'll be back for THP on Thursday. I don't think there's anything going on that I'm aware of. But other than that, thank you all. Thank you. Bye.